Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. And when you think about it, your job accounts for much of your life. When you add up the amount of time that you work, the amount of, even if you added the amount of time that you think about working and situations going on, it, it's really a major part of your life. It can be even challenging too when things are happening at your job that, that don't support you misconduct in the workplace and how to deal with that. We're going to take a look at that from an ethical standpoint. He is a adjunct professor of business ethics, a researcher, a director, and he's done so much, so much in this field over many, many years. And he joins us today. Ronald Bernbein is on the program. Welcome, Ronald. How are you? Uh, I'm doing okay. Uh, thanks for giving me a call. Uh, I listened to what you said about uh, uh, lining uh, this uh, whole discussion up and the context for it, and I realized that uh, we are uh, dealing with uh, a very, we're going to have a very different conversation than what we would have had uh, two years ago, certainly five years ago. First of all, we begin at least I began in my own mind, is what is the workplace? It used to be a place where you showed up at 9, you left at 5, you had lunch between 12 and 1, you walked around various offices, gossiped, uh, talked to people about what was going on, uh, and had uh, most of the uh, stuff you needed to do your job close by, or if you worked in a factory, it was kind of much the same thing uh, in terms of those basic outlines. Uh, So now so many uh, workplaces of all kinds are remote. They're at your house. They're at some office space that you've rented. Uh, There's nobody else around but you. Your desk is not your own. Um, You can't put pictures of your children on it or anything like that, and um, and you come in, you come and go, and uh, not much uh, happens externally in between. Second of all, what is an employee? A uh, lot of gig workers, a lot of temporary workers, not very many people who have been on the job for a long time, who've worked for a place for 30 or 40 years. It's part of their identity. It's part of what uh, gives a, a meaning to their lives. Uh, how do you detect, detect infractions and enforce rules? Well, uh, I don't really know. I mm. mean, you know, uh, uh, you can have a whistleblowing uh, program, but uh, most of the bad stuff, that, a lot of the bad stuff that goes on, uh, nobody can see or find or reach uh, whistleblowing protection systems. Uh, is it possible or even worth it to have training programs? You don't have the kind of interpersonal exchange that you typically have in those uh, exercises. It's, uh, again, usually a remote situation. And how have the meanings, meaning of these rules changed? Uh, what new rules are needed? Now, I canvassed various uh, surveys of uh, 
the frequency of workplace uh, misconduct, uh, as well as uh, some European Union uh, regulations or recommendations on this subject. And this is what I found under the general uh, description of uh, misconduct. First of all, there was uh, workplace theft. Well, I think that probably wouldn't be uh, 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 that much of a serious concern now because, or as much as serious a concern because there's less factory work, can't steal tools, uh, less uh, retail establishments, the stuff is locked <laughs> so that even you can't get into it, uh, and so on and so forth. Now, here's something that can and does happen and was the most common uh, form of workplace misconduct described then, sexual harassment. Mm. And so that goes without saying. We're still, one way or another, that can happen even under the changed circumstances. Uh, then there was its uh, smarter, younger brother, abuse of power. And after that, uh, uh, listed falsifying documentation. Well, that can still happen. Health and safety breaches, probably not as common. More attention being paid to that and fewer actual workplaces. Goods or property damage. Well, that's not likely to be done by employees anymore, more likely to be caused by climate change uh, or something like some externality. Uh, drug and alcohol use, uh, well, um, maybe there's some of that going on, but it's, it's uh, I'm sure there is, but it, uh, it isn't something that... Uh, is a is much of a threat or danger to the workplace uh, still could be of danger to companies. Then there's harm to public interests, such as uh, financial services fraud. We're seeing many examples of that in the newspaper. Product manufacturing safety, environmental issues, growing con concern about that. And then finally, you know, we get into the question of what is, uh, who is a quote-unquote worker or employee? Because there, I mean, the gig economy is, is rampant. And then you get into the issue of public service. Uh, and this has uh, had a particularly uh, uh, important um, uh, element of that has been added in the last few years, and that is the conduct of judges. Judges, yes. Uh, now, you would think they would be outside of any workplace system and uh, insulated from it, and they certainly would agree with you. And when they accept uh, uh, cruises on million-dollar yachts that would cost you or me, thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars, uh, they say that was an invitation to a party, and the, uh, and the host just fetched me and brought me. 
Well, that's not exactly like sending uh, a limousine to pick you up and take you uh, to the other side of town. Uh, and uh, so that's arisen in the case of most conspicuously judges, uh, the decline in the uh, confidence in uh, American governmental institutions has been uh, very significant, as anyone can tell you, in the last uh, several years. But I think it's been most significant, surprisingly, with respect uh, to the judiciary. So is anyone entitled to be exempt from the kind of uh, rules uh, of uh, conduct that apply to people who were, say, 5 or 10 or 15 years ago, quote-unquote, employees? So. so that being said with all of this, what about, and I think this applies whether it's a remote worker or not, when something is not right or you need to or you feel the need to report something in terms of your job, what are the, the ethical standpoints on that? Because many, I believe, are, are afraid to even say something because of uh, fear of what's going to happen, repercussion. Well, that's for sure. And that was always there. But what you can add the equation are two things. Do they have a loyalty and a sense of what we might call civic virtue uh, and belongingness with respect to their own workplace? I worked for one institution for 33 years, and I, I certainly felt like I was a member of the team. I, I I had my good days and bad at their hands, but uh, mm-hmm. you know I certainly would have uh, been cooperative or maybe even forthcoming, and I think sometimes was, with respect to conduct that in, endangered uh, the reputation of, of the organization because it also endangered uh, my own. Uh, we don't have those kind of... I mean, we still have some of that left, but those kind of connective tissues uh, are are absent in uh, in so much of the uh, uh, work that's being done and that goes on. And so, if you find out about something that's bad, uh, it's more likely, I'm, or it's at least as likely. I'm sorry to say that the motive is that you could gain somebody, gain something for yourself by exposing the perpetrator rather than uh, witness uh, or condone something that endangers a community of which you are a part. So you have basically, it sounds like you're saying that you have more to gain than you may have to lose if you're going to... uh, expose something that's going on in the workplace. Well, that seems to often be the motive. I won't, wouldn't put a number on it, but I certainly uh, think it's reasonable to uh, surmise that it's more often than the motive than it used to be. Understood. Uh, let's talk about, just for one, one more moment of, of call it whistleblowing, um, is it better to just be anonymous? Uh, no. 
not not if I were an investigator. I would be at a loss to know how to verify, how to investigate uh, uh, this kind of complaint. I could uh, talk to the so-called victim uh, if it were a case like that, and the person might or might not cooperate. Uh, but they're probably the first question they would ask me is, where'd you hear that from? Mm. Yeah. So what I'm getting from you, Ronald, is you you best be transparent if you're going to say something, because you, you, you're saying something for a reason. So if you're not going to give any of the, the details that come along with it, uh, why are you even bothering? Yeah. Uh, I mean, the motives in many cases, I'm not saying in all, but in a in a very large number of cases, the motives that you might have had five or ten years ago that this was your community, you know, this was your it's a wonderful life type community, mm. and uh, you uh, you are a citizen and you have a, a duty to make it the best place it can possibly be and to uh, to see to it that do whatever you can to make sure it upholds its standards. But how many uh, people, how many working people nowadays uh, have this kind of loyalty uh, or this kind of motive, I won't even say loyalty, this kind of motive for exposing uh, bad behavior. Mm. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think in many ways uh, it's it's uh, kind of a joke with me, but uh, uh, it's kind of all encapsulated in the wor- word, it's two words actually, I should say, startup. I mean, everything begins and ends with you. <laughs> you start something, it's up, and then you move on to something else, you know. And and if that's your career path, as it is for many young people today, then I think uh, I, I can't see that much of a, uh, of a uh, motive uh, for exposing wrongful conduct except for one thing. If law enforcement comes to you first mm. with the goods on you and by being cooperative, <laughs> you can uh, secure a diminution of penalties you might otherwise incur. Gotcha. Uh, I want to ask you, with your experience in, in business eth- ethics, and now we're centering on, on the workplace, Confidentially, yeah, we won't have to give any details, you know, deep details, anything like that. Um, but what are some of the the different scenarios that uh, you've dealt with, or, or is there one or two in terms of work, workplace ethics that really stand out uh, in, in your career? Oh, in, in my whole career. Yeah. Well, the one I used most often in my classes was the Johnson and Johnson Tylenol issue. Hmm. Uh, where um, it's it's kind of interesting. They withdrew the product from uh, from the market, uh, and uh, you know they announced that it was being uh, 
laced with uh, cyanide. Mm-hmm. And uh, it wasn't just, you know, the head of marketing, who, if indeed he or she did, probably was a he in those days. It wasn't just the, uh, you know, uh, uh, sort of business considerations of a product withdrawal and that the uh, reputational effects would also harm their other products. But even law enforcement said, don't do it. We won't be able to catch the perpetrator. And they never did. And I, I want to jump in. I want to make for, for clarity. Yeah. Uh, and, and okay, so we're saying that Johnson and Johnson was told not to say something because they wanted to catch the perpetrator, and then they they did not follow through. Well, law enforcement, uh, at least the recommendation of some people in law enforcement was, if you go public with this, it will be much harder for us to catch the perpetrator. Gotcha. And, and they never did. And you, you, you know, perpetrators keep perpetrating, and uh, the more success they get, the more reckless they get. And if if you let them go for a while and just watch them, it'll it gets easier with each passing day to catch them. Uh, that's just uh, common sense. But but Johnson and Johnson chief executive said, no, we uh, we are not willing to subject the the public to that kind of a risk mm. and the marketing people were right that Tylenol Johnson and Johnson when they put it back on the market it did okay but it uh, didn't have the same market share no uh, the uh, product liability people or rather the marketing people argued do this and we will never regain our market share uh, for that particular product, well, and, that, they did, that, and they didn't. <laughs> no, well, not not initially. And if I remember back when that happened, I had just started my uh, news career, so I was reporting on that. Uh, so I kind of remember it well. And what with the game changer for Tylenol, and uh, a lot of money involved in all of this, but they they flipped that negative into a positive with tamper uh, proof packaging. Yeah. Okay. I'll I'll grant you that, but uh, that required an investment on their part too. Yes. Yeah. uh, So, uh, but you know, the alternative scenario is uh, the reputational harm that might have resulted had uh, they caught the perpetrators. And people started asking questions. Where were you when all this was going on? Didn't you have a clue? Why did it? Why did wind up? Why did it wind up having to be the police who caught them? Hmm. But if they, regardless of however they did it, there could have been copycats. You know, they yeah. may have caught the uh, perpetrators initially, but then others may have. So. Taking that situation and and turning it into, I guess, a positive, if you will, with the tamper-proof packaging um, helped prevent any of that moving forward and probably with with other uh, over-the-counter medications from that point forward. Yeah. Uh, It, um, you know, a lot of ethics involved in that whole whole situation, right? Yes. Yes, indeed. How'd you like to be working for Johnson & Johnson at that time? (laughs) Well, uh, 
you know, I mean, uh, <laughs> it would have been a good job. <laughs> I guess. And they were hard to get. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think that was 1982. It was sort of a semi-recession or some somewhat of an economic downturn. Then. Right. But uh, no, no, I, uh, well, I guess it would have looked good on my resume at some point. <laughs> Might have, but. Uh, no, I mean, uh, I, I'm just glad that, you know, it's, uh, it's part of the literature now, and uh, I think it's a very important part. It's still relevant, highly so, and will continue to be in the foreseeable future. But um, even looking at it from the, you know, from the market size and share, uh People still buy Tylenol. It's still one of the uh, larger trusted brands. Even oh after yeah, that, I have you know? some. Uh, sure. I, I I don't know whether I don't think it's Johnson and Johnson, but I didn't pay any attention to you know the label. It was just there. It was one of the few uh, one of the few counters that wasn't locked, <laughs> so I grabbed it. Right. <laughs> wow. Um, in terms of. Uh, all of this in terms of uh, workplace um, business ethics, any, you know, any closing thoughts on this? Somebody owns a company um, responsible for a team. What's your, what's your first, uh, what's your first thought in, in all of that, making sure that you're safe and, uh, and, and secure when it comes to the workplace ethics? Well, I think you have to build a, the people that you call a team. And that's a word that everybody uses. That's, the word that was used for the people who went in and finally got Bin Laden. They were a team. <laughs> it's uh, like the uh, words uh, from the Three Musketeers uh, uh, novel, one for all and all for one. Uh, your, uh, your ultimate success or failure is dependent on your ability to care for your, um, you know, care for your uh, people as, uh, care for your team as, as if they were all a member of the same family. I love the way you put that, to look at it as you're all united. That's right. And a lot of times we don't. Uh, and when I say united, I'm talking from management to everybody else. A lot of yes. times... You know, I, I vivid memories over the years of not wanting to walk into the corner pocket, if you will. That's where the uh, general manager was with the quote unquote open door policy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nobody wanted to be in that room. Uh, it just was always uncomfortable. Uh, but that's the tone that he set. And uh, yeah, he, he, at this one particular company, he was no longer there. They brought somebody else in who was better, but not. And at this one company, now they have somebody else who truly is connected with their team. And, uh, you know, I had worked for them years ago. I talked to people that work there now. They love the guy. They feel that he's open, transparent, you, you, and sets the expectations, where a lot of times a lot of companies don't. You don't even know what to expect. And then something happens, and then you're called on the carpet. You had no idea that that's, that's what the expectations were. Well, part of not being able to set expectations for other people is not having them for yourself. Mm, <laughs> you know, it's a really good point that you bring up there. 
You, it, you really do. Uh, and, and that's all that comes within leadership. Uh, great conversation today. Ronald, if somebody wants to uh, follow up with you in, in any uh, aspect, how do they find you? Uh, okay. Well, I think the best way would be by email. And uh, I don't know I, whether you have it. I don't know if I've ever gotten an email from you. I get, mostly get them from Steve Simons. But my name is Ronald. Berenbeim, that's B-E-R-E-N-B-E-I-M dot com, and send me an email, and I will answer it Excellent. as best I can. Yeah, great uh, great topic today, great talking with you, and this is something that, uh, not going away anytime soon, business ethics, it's uh, it's kind of the backbone for, for any business. Thank you so much for being here today. You're welcome, and give a hoot if you have some special idea for the next one. Uh, and if not, I'll, uh, I'll work it up myself. Okay? Appreciate it. You, you got it. We'll be right back. Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Jason Derulo. I love that music connects to people all over the country. But unfortunately, so does something else. Childhood hunger. 15 million kids struggle with hunger right here in America. And yet, every year, billions of pounds of surplus food in the U.S. go to waste instead of going to the children in need. Feeding America is working to change this. The Feeding America nationwide network of food banks rescues this surplus of food to help provide meals to families in virtually every community in the United States, including yours. But they just can't do this alone. Join me in the fight against hunger in America. For more information on what you can do to get involved, visit feedingamerica.org. That's feedingamerica.org. Together we can solve hunger. Together we're feeding America. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council.